Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, I am going to dive into periodization, something you guys have heard me talk about too many times. Um, actually, I don't think there is enough times that you could talk about this because it's probably one of the most important things. And actually, I was on, uh, I was getting interviewed for a podcast today for somebody else's. Um, I believe it was the Next Level podcast, and they asked me what I think the uh, the biggest thing people are missing. Like, what is the one thing that you commonly see people missing inside of training and nutrition? And I said periodization because I think that long term strategy, long term planning, a, a methodical approach to how you are planning your diet is the number one thing people are missing. And for training, people are just taking it day by day. And I believe true success and sustainable results happens when you have a methodical approach that is well thought out and planned over the course of weeks, months, and even a year plus, which is what we're going to get into today. Today, I'm going to break down um, quite a few things. We're going to start by going into long-term periodization, so like 12 to 18 or more months, um, so a full year basically. Then we're going to talk about diet breaks and refeeds and what my revised stance on those are. Then we're going to discuss short-term periodization, which is like a, a month or less, uh, maybe even like a quarter or less, and it's kind of how do we structure those diet breaks and refeeds over time. Um, periodizing for life and social events. So this is periodization for gen pop. Um, and then the application, how do we apply this? What is a step-by-step approach for the everyday person to apply, uh, nutritional periodization into their routine? Guys, if these podcasts help you do me a huge favor and send it to a friend, no amount of marketing can replace the power of word of mouth. And I really just do this to help people out. So if you know somebody that could use this, if you know somebody who's into fitness, if you know somebody who is trying to personally develop, whether that's physically or mentally, please do me a huge favor, send them an episode that they would resonate with and allow them to listen to this podcast as well. Pay it forward, pass it on. Without any further ado, let's dive into this podcast on nutritional periodization. Nutritional periodization is something that I've been passionate about teaching for quite a long time now, partly because I'm just a geek when it comes to diet research, but also because it was something missing from the general coaching space. This is actually why I talk about it so much across Instagram, blog, podcast, everything. We've done so much different content on it, um, and I'm going to keep doing content on it because I think it's relevant and it's so diverse in how many ways we can spin it. But when we see periodization inside sport, Olympic lifting, powerlifting, and sometimes in advanced bodybuilding. But we, what about everyday people? Like we never see it with the everyday man or woman who just wants to get ripped or just wants to get lean or just maybe they don't want to compete at all. They just want to create their own best physique. See, that's where we spend the majority of our coaching at, at Tailored Coaching, is we work with some WWE wrestlers, advanced bikini and physique competitors, high-level athletes. Um, we even have some actors um, on, our, on our roster. But 90% or more of our clientele are probably just like you and me. They're just normal, everyday people looking to get jacked and or leaner so they can just look good naked and feel confident in the summertime. That's literally it. Moms, dads, teachers, family, businessmen, everybody. However, people assume because it's not competitive – 
that periodization isn't important, that the person's goal isn't a competitive feat. It's not important to periodize. But that's a huge misunderstanding. In fact, it's a huge mistake. It's one of the biggest mistakes, and it causes so many people to have subpar results or just not even achieve results at all, and they're just spinning their wheels, wondering why all their hard work doesn't actually pay off. See, periodization is the process of planning and manipulating variables over time in order to achieve a specific result. That's it. In other words, it's just planning and adjusting a diet as time goes on. The purpose of doing this is not only to achieve better results because the human body and metabolism are very dynamic elements. Therefore, a completely linear approach is highly unlikely to work long term. And, and by linear, I mean it's just this one small change over time. Like here's your macros, just follow it. Uh, but also, in order to sustain the result longer after it's achieved, actually sustain that progress once it's achieved, phasing between goals needs to be a priority. Um, and you need to understand the needs of your body. You need to reduce some of the metabolic adaptations and consequences that arise from dieting and ensure that your psycho psychological health is managed properly throughout the diet. Because this is my third time discussing this on the podcast I, bl I believe it's third, maybe even fourth. I've done three blogs on this, three or four podcasts on this. I don't even know how many uh, Instagram posts, uh, probably at least like 97 of them on this topic. Um, but I wanted to create a new one regarding kind of like my updated stance or position. This is not to say that the previous articles and blogs and podcasts and things I posted on Instagram were incorrect by any means. But there has been so much more research done on this topic of periodization and of diet breaks and refeeds and diet phases and all the things that are included within periodization that we know twice as much about nutritional periodization at this point. Add to that, our team has grown to hold six nutritionists and two interns, which are coaches in training, and has coached well over a thousand people over the last few years. With that comes a lot of experience and a lot of anecdotes. So yes, science has updated and I will be referring to it a lot in this podcast um, and I have been in all the, the uh, podcasts and blogs on this topic, but part of being evidence-based doesn't solely mean looking at research and applying it exactly how it is examined. It means understanding the research, considering it into your practice, and then screening its application alongside your own personal coaching experience. That's why I love the quote, we are not working with averages, we are working with individuals, which I heard from Eric Helms on a uh, presentation I was watching of his, and it's basically just a show, like, it's not about averages, and studies provide averages. We are working with individuals, and when working with real people, studies are just one small part of the equation, because it's hard to study an individual. It's very easy to study averages, though. But averages do not paint the whole picture here. Again, this doesn't mean the studies don't matter. Studies set the path in motion and give you concrete direction, we, so we need them. But with experience, you learn more about human interactions, connections, psychological differences, hormonal changes, adherence and consistency, and so much more. And you can't really learn that inside of a study. You can to an extent, especially in psychological studies, of course, but inside of coaching, it's so multifaceted. You're going to learn so much about how a nutrition plan actually pans out over time. Um, so right now, I'm just kind of trying to set the stage of what this is all about and why I'm doing this. Um, I just wanted you to understand and get some actual practical coaching application from this. And, and that's the goal going forward. So we're going to cover a few things today. We're going to cover long-term periodization. So in the realms of like a year plus, 12 to 18 months, let's say, diet breaks and refeeds, because those still do apply. We know that the 
literature is showing different results than what we expected or we once hypothesized in the past. Like there's definitely been claims over the years and even by myself that I truly believed that these diet breaks were doing something different than they actually are. Um, so we better understand those, but it still falls in, in the thing into the umbrella of periodization. Um, we're going to talk about short-term periodization. So like one to four weeks, less than a month. Uh, we're going to talk about periodizing for life and social events. This is really applicable to gen pop. And then we're going to go over some application. Like how do you actually periodize this approach? How do you use what we just talked about today? Um, so, so first diving into long-term periodization for the 12, 18 plus month period. Um, the main thing to map out here is, is your long-term goals and the phases of your diet that fall within the path to getting there. Meaning if your goal is to have more muscle and less fat, it's not likely that you are going to have a straight shot there simultaneously building muscle and burning fat. It's almost impossible. Rather, it'll take phases of dieting where you are cutting, gaining, and maintaining. Kind of like a bodybuilder. If your ultimate goal is fat loss and you could care less about being jacked or having muscle, you just want to lose weight, it gets a little bit easier, but still requires phasing of dieting because you cannot linearly follow a deficit for months and months on end. You'll burn out, you'll wreck your body, and psychologically just fall apart. You won't be able to adhere from it. Um, and, and the process will go really bad. It'll go really poorly. And you definitely will not be able to sustain that result. Um, I'm going to link some things in the show notes of this podcast. So make sure you go check this out, you know, because I did create a graft on reverse dieting um, recently that was really applicable to this that I'm going to link in the reverse dieting blog. And I also wrote a recent blog about periodization where the this podcast is stemming from. And I uh, put together a graph for that as well. And it's a really cool graph because it shows a, a diet starting and going through a deficit for four to five months and then a uh, short maintenance phase to transition into a reverse diet um, where you reverse diet immediately up over the course of like two to four weeks where you get to the low end of your maintenance, so the bottom of your maintenance range. Then you chill there for a little bit and then reverse slowly up to as high as you possibly can within the intake. Then you follow a lean gaining approach. Then you maintain those gains and then your diet starts again and you repeat the whole process over. But it shows this process and it has like month one, month two, month three, and it goes through 18 months of dieting for the ultimate physique. And I think it's super helpful for you guys to see actual graphs of what this looks like. It's super, super helpful. So, um, so go, going back to this graph, I want to kind of break this graph down step by step um, in a little bit more detail. So um, to start this, we have a five-month diet. Right. And this is this is literally like you can just take what I'm saying and apply it to an 18 month diet phase. Like you want to get as lean as possible and you want to have as much muscle as possible. This is probably what 18 months of dieting would look like for you. Um, and it's it's far less dieting than it is maintaining and gaining, which is the healthy way to go. So we, we start with a five month diet and we follow that um, with a couple weeks at the end to just hang out down there. Uh, make sure that your new weight and body fat percentage are there to stay. I don't like staying at this low point for too long. And for some individuals, I don't like staying there at all. But if I get somebody to their lean physique, I get them to the goal that they want to achieve and they do not have horrible biofeedback, they're not super stressed, um, we could diet for longer if we wanted to and I'd feel safe that. I'm going to keep them down there for a little bit. I'm not going to cut calories more, but I'm going to kind of solidify where they are at and make sure that they're new. It's almost kind of like trying to reset the body fat set point, which is more of a theoretical thing, but I do find some success with that when I can do it in a healthy manner. Um, after that, we take an immediate bump up in your calories uh, to start the reverse diet, but in a way that is more 
geared towards a recovery diet. This is a faster pace reverse that gets you out of the deficit by a good amount right away. The reason we prefer this is because the longer you stay in the lower calorie diet, the more likely you are to suffer from the variety of diet fatigue symptoms that could pop up and occur. So let's get you out ASAP. Let's get you out of there and let's get you to the bottom of that maintenance range, which is a big key. Maintenance is a range, not a static number, which means we need to bring you right up to your new predicted maintenance, but only to the bottom of that uh, range so we don't gain a ton of weight. If we bring you right to the top of that maintenance range, which is going to be a huge jump, you might actually gain some weight and it's unfavorable. We don't want to gain too much weight and to do that, we bring it to the bottom of that maintenance range. Um, after this immediate and more aggressive bump up, we hang out there for a couple weeks to establish a new baseline, stabilize weight, improve recovery, and simply feel better from a biofeedback standpoint. And then we take a slow and gradual approach to the reverse diet, bumping up a bit higher and seeing what we can get away with without being too greedy. And I really don't hear this strategy talked about very often, but I actually think it's probably the best way to go about a reverse diet in general. Uh, when you get done with the diet, uh, if you can hang out there for even a couple weeks, sometimes that's helpful. Um, but when you start the reverse diet process, you should jump calories up rather quickly. We want an aggressive approach going right to the bottom of that maintenance, like I said, um, and getting your biofeedback stabilized. And then from there, you can do a classic reverse diet where you go slow. Because if you bring yourself to the bottom of the maintenance range, you are going to be feeling better. And if you start feeling better, you avoid the problem with super slow reverse dieting, which... If you add 5 grams of carbs, 10 grams of carbs per week and just do this super slow reverse diet, you are just prolonging the period of time that you're in a deficit. And what that's going to do is prolong that dietary stress. So I would rather take you out of that immediately, remove the stress. Um, but if we can do that by getting you to the very bottom of your predicted maintenance range, we avoid some of the possible weight gain by getting too greedy with the reverse diet right away. And then we can take a slow approach. Um, and it works really well to try to maintain some of the weight that you lost. So I'm going to try to maintain the result that you achieved um, during that diet. So uh, we, we've solidified this and now we are moving into the lean gaining phase. This is where we are actually going up into a slight surplus. Um, I say slight surplus because, again, we don't want to get too greedy, drive calories up too much and just gain fat. Um, even for the advanced lifter who needs to take a more aggressive approach, I'm a bigger fan of slow gaining. I would rather you practice a long-term gaining phase than a short-term aggressive gaining phase because your body is only going to put on so much muscle at a time. I think it's funny when people assume that increasing calories can really increase their uh, their muscle mass. Like, I'm just going to eat more and I'm going to build muscle. And it's like, no, you have to create a stress in the body that elicits the change right? The, the nutrition just helps you with the recovery aspect of that. Um, so again, we're going to go into this lean gaining phase. We're going to maintain that for about three months, um, but upwards of six, if your overall goal is fat loss still, right? Like if your main goal is fat loss, you don't care about putting on a ton of muscle. I still think it's valuable to, to go into a slight lean gaining phase, even if you're literally in like a one to 3% surplus, which seems so small. You might be gaining barely next to nothing, but you could be improving strength. You could be improving some muscle mass, but more importantly, you're going to be creating more health. You're going to get healthier in this process and that's going to make the next cut easier because that's your main goal is fat loss still. Um, now, if your goal is muscle growth, this phase could be stretched out to be eight to 12 months. Um, ideally, it takes a lot more time to build muscle. So I would rather have a client spend eight to 12 months trying to build muscle before going back into a cut than I would have somebody do three to six months because you're just not going to lay down that much muscle. And you can even throw a couple mini cuts in there if you absolutely have to. But I'm, I'm a fan of keeping it just on page with 
the gains and not jumping into mini cuts along the way. I think it just delays the process. Uh, but finally, we maintain again. This is another transition period after the uh, the the lean gaining phase. Once we get there, it's time to sit there and just solidify the the new muscle tissue that we have built, and then dive into our second round of cutting after that. But by the end of this, this is 18 months in, a year and a half in total. That everything I just talked about. That is nutrition periodization for a long-term setting. And the reason it's so important is because each stage takes a toll on your body. It takes time to actually work, and it takes time to produce results. And it requires specific transitions between each phase in order to sustain the result achieved in the prior block of time. So what does this look like for you? Well, as always, it depends. <laughs> it depends on a lot of things. Right now, you need to decide what your long-term goal is in the first place because that's your finish line. You can't even create a successful blueprint to reach your goals if you are unaware of what that goal truly is. Once you figure out what that goal is, you'll need to look at your personal life and decide when it is best to attack each goal. An example would be summer. Is, is that the best time to cut? Like Everybody wants to be lean in the summer, but is that the best time to cut? Honestly, probably not. Even though you'll be shirtless or in a bikini more often, you'll also be busier with BBQs, social gatherings, uh, family events, birthdays, camping, all that kind of stuff, making it way harder to stick to a diet. So you'd want to factor that in and maybe cut before summer and transition into a maintenance phase during summer and lean gain phase in the fall and winter and repeat the process in the coming year. Regardless, there are some guidelines we want to follow here. Typically, a cut will last 12 to 24 weeks. Whatever you decide on your timeline, knowing that a fat loss rate of about 0.5 to 1% of total body weight loss per week is ideal, add two to four extra weeks to accomplish that. So if you're like, I can get to my goal based on the 0.5 to 1% total body weight loss per week rate, I can get to my goal in 13 weeks. I would plan on making that 15 to 17 weeks long. Uh, It's just, things are going to come up. You're not always going to stick to diet. You're going to have adherence issues. You're going to have social events. It's always best to err on the side of more. Um, transition slash maintenance phases are mandatory if you want to sustain the progress made, so you can't get around those. Reverse diets shouldn't be too slow at the gate, uh, but can be slow after reaching the bottom of your maintenance range, which will be predicted because once you cut, your maintenance does change. Um, and muscle gaining sh- phases should be a minimum of 12 weeks, three months long, but are more beneficial when stretched to 20 to 24 weeks long um, because hypertrophy takes time. And for people who really want to build muscle or they're really trying to build a physique and they need to add like a lot of muscle in order to build that physique they want, then it's even more important. Like you're going to be in the six, eight, 12 month range. Me personally, I'm in the eight to 12 month range going on six months now. And I'm going to keep this going because it's probably going to take me longer to build the physique I want to build. I don't like not being super lean. I don't like not having abs. I don't like not being a hundred percent comfortable taking off my shirt right now, but I look better with a shirt on. I'm happy about that. And I keep thinking about the long-term progress in mind. When I am able to cut again, it's going to be easier because I'm going to be healthier and I'm going to have more muscle tissue so the end result will look better. Um, and the last thing I will say is, is like, like you have to look at a calendar year if you want to periodize successfully. Even if you're only committing to a program for three months, even if your goal is only going to take you 12 weeks, look at the calendar year. Think about holidays. Think about trips. Think about weddings. Think about vacations. Think about everything that's going to come up and make sure that you are more than ready to periodize your approach throughout the year because that's how you're going to get to your goal. You're going to have to plan these phases properly. Now, the next thing we need to talk about are diet breaks and refeeds. This has been uh, such a cool topic to follow in the, the literature over the last 10 years because 
more and more research has been done. Actually, debunking many of the benefits I once believed, to be honest with you. Um, and, and that was actually a really cool interview with Jackson Pios. If you haven't listened to that yet, I just interviewed him recently. He is a diabetic researcher. Um, and we had that conversation. We both talked about what we thought diabetics were doing and how that probably isn't actually the case anymore. Um, and some of those physiological changes, hormonal changes, may be happening on a smaller level, but it's completely indirect. Right, it's it's much more psychological than it is physiological, um, which is crazy because for a long time we did not think that. Um, I mean, th- like the history of refeeds kind of went like this: like originally, you just needed a cheat day, like one all-out day. You eat as much as possible because it's going to boost your metabolism by increasing leptin and ghrelin. Then we realized that this cheat day should really just be one meal because people were going on binges and just gaining a bunch of fat on this day. But hold on, we also ended up realizing that carbs were the trick to the leptin and ghrelin hormone spike. So maybe we keep it for a full day, but we make sure that it's only coming from carbohydrates. That's got to be it. Actually, you need two full days because hormonally speaking, there's no benefit in a single 24-hour bout. We need 48 hours or more. Scratch that. It needs to be three days, 72 hours long. You know what? Let's make it a full week. That's guaranteed to work. On second thought, I don't think any of these work. It seems to be just psychological relief and some glycogen replenishment with very minimal, if any, direct physiological changes. So just do whatever you like most and allow allows you to adhere best. So it's kind of kind of joking with that timeline and with with the dialogue, but it's actually fairly accurate. And anyone who seriously follows the research will know that Um, we actually reviewed a uh, recent diet break study in our June edition of the research roundup. Um, so I'll link those in these podcast show notes, but that's a really good one where uh, myself and Dr. Brandon Roberts, our CSO dive into the recent diet break and refeed research um, and what that looks like and what our opinions are on it for application sake. Um, but it, but it is really funny how it has worked. It, it went from a cheat day to a cheat meal to, um, a high carb day to, you need two days high carb to, you need at least three, and then you got to make it a full week. And then on second thought, none of it even works. It's just psychological and, and more and more as I go through, um, I start to think that it's probably best just to have maintenance phases versus diet breaks. Like diet breaks are still great. And I still use them with a lot of clients because it does provide psychological relief and helps performance. But I think the best thing to do is be ready for a diet, like diet for 12 to 16 weeks, just be ready and then spend some time maintaining. That's how you're really going to make sure you're healthy physiologically speaking. Um, So if we break these into diet breaks and refeeds and kind of categorize them, a refeed is classified as one to two days of eating at a slightly above maintenance or at maintenance uh, via an increase in carbohydrates. Although this isn't going to be a magic bullet to speed up your metabolism or improve your hormones, physiologically speaking, it is a great addition to a diet and it is part of periodization. As I mentioned before, the main benefit here is probably psychological. Um, It's simply a break from the diet, a sense of relief, a normality, um, and and that really is important. It's it's important to feel normal. It's important to step away from the diet. It's the same reason why we have weekends after a full full week of work. We need those weekends to recharge, right? Um, This is going to help you adhere for longer, be more precise with your tracking. Um, They actually find in studies without refeeds, people's accuracy begins to dwindle as the diet proceeds on. So um, keeping your motivation higher is going to be more likely when you have 
these refeeds. Um, your performance in the gym is going to be improved short term. Uh, it's not a long term thing, but if we replenish glycogen more, we're probably going to have better sessions and those sessions accumulate over time. Um, we may potentially blunt the cortisol response um, and other stress-related hormones, and we might improve sleep quality temporarily. But again, if we're going from a diet that has no refeeds, that's, that's consistently bad sleep, or a diet with refeeds that has sporadic, really good sleep, that's still more good sleep than not, right? And that's, that's important. Same thing with performance. It's more good days in the gym than not. It's more good days of adherence than not. And those things do add up long-term. It's hard to do a study that's 24 plus weeks, but I think in those scenarios is where it pays off the most. Um, those aren't necessarily, uh, like they're, they, they aren't really going to improve your hormonal profile directly by any means. Uh, however, I'd argue that indirectly you could see some physiological improvements over time. Um, when using refeeds and diet breaks. And I think that's where it's hard to understand in the research because most of the benefits come from adherence, come from motivation, come from performance, come from um, uh, just psychological benefits. But I think if you if you do improve performance, you do improve stress, I think those things are going to have a downstream effect of keeping your hormones, keeping your body, keeping everything healthier and keeping you adhering to the diet longer, probably getting leaner faster and then being able to get out of the diet sooner, which is going to be helpful as well. Um, so long story short, I don't think there's any signs of it improving our physiology based on research, but I think indirectly downstream, I do believe that. Um, but for application, it tends to be best when performed with two consecutive days in a row rather than one. You may have, uh, these every five days, seven days, 10 days, 14 days, even 21 days. It's very individual and the amount of diet fatigue accumulated during a deficit varies from person to person. So the refeed application will vary from person to person as well. Now, diet breaks are typically three to seven days long. This is where we have a true break from the diet by taking 72 hours or more of eating more calories, ideally just like you would with a refeed, by increasing carbohydrates and increasing to maintenance by carbohydrates. The reason for this is because carbs are going to be stored as muscle glycogen predominantly and are more unlikely to store as body fat compared to an increase in fats um, as, as fats are just easier for your body to store as fat. Um, but all the benefits above uh, discussed before with the refeeds apply to diet breaks as well, but typically in a greater amount as you can probably imagine because you're doing more time. Um, you're just getting more of a relief, break, refuel, recovery, so on and so forth. Uh, for application, these, tends, these tend to be, need, be needed far less often because of their duration. So it's purely dependent on the individual, but what I tend to find is that people with more muscle tissue on their bodies going into a more aggressive diet or who simply accumulate diet fatigue faster need these diet breaks more regularly. Um, I, I like to follow a three-week on, one-week off approach for a lot of people, but this can be adapted to four weeks on, five weeks on, six weeks on, or even up to eight to 12 weeks on. Again, it's, it's super individual. But in general, we're, we're making sure that we're planning ahead. That's the periodization part. And periodizing and planning these refeeds and diet breaks to have these psychological and potential indirect physiological benefits, performance benefits, um, and planning them so they benefit our diet from the long term and give us more adherence over time. Now, as we get into short-term periodization, which I would classify as like a month or less, so like one to four weeks, short-term periodization really is just using those refeeds and diet breaks in a cyclical structure on a monthly basis. This is the act of planning your refeeds, calorie cycling, or diet breaks in advance and then following a methodical approach and executing them. Um, again, you have so many ways of doing this. So everything I described in the refeed and diet break, putting those into a plan is short-term periodization. So 
Five-day deficit, two-day refeed. Seven-day deficit, two-day refeed. 10-day deficit, two-day refeed. 10-day deficit, three-day refeed. 14-day deficit, three-day refeed. 21-day deficit, three-day refeed. Three-week deficit, one-week diet break. Four-week deficit, one-week diet break. Six-week deficit, one-week diet break. Eight weeks deficit, one to two weeks diet break. You can kind of spend this any way. You could do four weeks on, two weeks off, six weeks on, two weeks off. There's so many ways to do it. Um, so what comes after that inside of shorter term periodization? And this is kind of where we would say like moderate length periodization, I guess, which just doesn't sound sexy or cool. Uh, but but this is kind of where we're bridging the gap between long and short term periodization. Um, and, and that's maintenance blocks and phases. This kind of falls into short-term periodization and long-term periodization because how long that maintenance phase is depends on the next goal. As shown in the graph that I'm going to link in the show notes and the one that I kind of tried to describe to you guys, if the maintenance phase is simply a transition from a cut to a lean gaining phase, it can be much shorter because you're purposefully going to be increasing calories to get into a surplus very soon. But on the contrary, if you diet for a full 16 to 20 weeks, let's say, get a good amount of results and are a bit burnt out, but truly are not at your goal weight yet, you'd take a completely different approach. Here, you would take a longer maintenance phase, somewhere between 4 to 12 weeks, before returning back to another deficit to try and lose weight again. Um, and the reason for that is because you're simply doing this maintenance phase as a break to diet again. Whereas the other, uh, the first option I gave, the first scenario I gave, you're simply using a maintenance phase as a transition to get into a lean gaining phase because you want to start building muscle and adding calories in. Um, so example of a couple clients I have in this position right now actually um, went like this, cut 20 to 30 pounds in the beginning of the year in spring, right? Like throughout this first part of the year, let's say, you know, up to six months, 16 to 24 weeks. We reverse diet and maintain through this summer, for three months. That's what we're doing right now. We just shifted into maintenance last month, June, July, August. We're just going to maintain, regenerate biofeedback. We might gain a couple pounds, but that's okay. We have more flexibility. We're just focusing on performance. Um, and then we're going to return to a cut and drop another 10 to 20 pounds during the fall because we didn't quite reach their goal yet. But if we were to push them through the summer in that deficit, they would have burnt out. They would have had to go much lower in calories to get to their, their destination, their desired goal. And summertime would have been much less enjoyable. They wouldn't have had any flexibility throughout that. Um, and, and this goes beyond just making summertime flexible, which, it, like I said, it's very important. Um, but it's also in place because you cannot continually diet. Like, that's the entire point of this podcast is in getting you to understand periodization. It just won't work. You will get burnt out. And I don't care how resilient and disciplined you think you are. I've been there. I thought that too. <laughs> and then I got burnt out. Uh, but But... By taking this time off with my clients, this this 12-week, three-month period off the diet, um, not only are they more mentally fresh, they probably have reversed some of the metabolic adaptations that occurred during the dieting for up to six months. Um, you've lowered and better managed stress now. It's easier to manage stress. You probably are hitting some new PRs, and uh, they might even be building some muscle tissue. Like It's literally the perfect position before going to a diet. This is like the primer phase that we talked about. This whole summer is the primer phase. Um but if you didn't take the time to recover and re-repair and, and actually prepare and prime your body, you would have continued the diet and it would have slowly stopped working. Uh, be that from metabolic adaptation or lack of adherence, it doesn't matter. It would have stopped working. This would mean you'd be spinning your wheels, like literally just going into a deficit without any return of investment. You're stressing the body out without any reason. 
Um, and that's why it's so important to have these phases. So whether you choose a diet break or you choose cutting phases and maintenance phases, I think that matters less. Um, I think the important thing is that you're considering both. Usually they work in unison. Usually you should have a long-term periodization strategy that includes maintenance phases and dieting phases and potentially lean gaining surplus phases. And then you should have diet breaks sprinkled throughout the deficit phases in order to better adhere and have less psychological stress from the diet. Um, now, if we consider periodization for life and social events, um, this is going to be one of the last things we discussed today because it's a really quick and simple thing to cover. It's the way you adjust your long-term periodization, both quarterly and yearly and monthly technically, should be based somewhat on the social obligations you have over time, especially if you are a gen pop client. You don't have an athletic feat or a competition or a sport to worry about. Are you in attending or in any weddings? Do you have any big birthdays coming up? Are you going on vacation this summer? Are you doing any camping trips? Do you have summer break with your kids? Um, high stress, season of work. Are you starting a business? You're, you have nothing at all with plenty of time to plan. Worldwide p pandemic might happen. <laughs> you never know nowadays. The list goes on of what could happen. You need to plan for these things. When stress is high in other areas or adherence is going to be lower because your flexibility is lower in, in other areas, you need to be prepared for that because that's the only way that you can make the diet effective. Sometimes in your, in your season, in your year, it will allow greater compliance and better results and others will make it 10 times harder to adhere and the results way more difficult to come about. So if you look at your calendar and factor these in, you can plan diet breaks and maintenance phases in the right spots. For those looking to gain muscle as well, you can plan your cut in the easiest time to adhere. The times where you have complete control and save your maintenance and gaining phases for the times where you have uh, a lot going on or in a little more flexibility. In fact, during this quarantine is a good example. For some people, it caused more stress. And, and, and we've seen both sides with our clients. We have some people who caused more stress and we're like, okay, we need to uh, actually go through a maintenance phase during quarantine because this is affecting you greatly. Like it's causing a lot more stress in your life. And then for other clients, it's like, hey, I mean, it is what it is. I'm home. I have all the time to plan and prepare in the world. I can't eat out. This is the perfect time to diet. So and the stress is low and I'm way less busy. Let's diet. Let's get in a deficit, um, which is like me. I mean, if you're like me and you work in an office uh, in gym and you just coach people for a living, so all the coaches listen to this, you have very little outside hobbies from outside of podcasting and training and studying this shit you can basically plan all your free time around this. <laughs> like you can plan everything around this and it makes it super easy to do this. Um, but for the most people, going back to the whole point of that last section is, is you really have to look at your calendar. Now I'm looking at my calendar and I start by what is my end goal? How would I periodize that goal based on uh, maintenance phases, lean gain phases, fat loss phases, based on where I'm at right now, where I want to be in 12 to 18 months. And then from there, how am I best going to adhere to a plan? How long is that fat loss phase? When am I going to take diet breaks and refeeds? And how are those going to be structured? And how frequently are they going to be? Then look at that calendar and start pinpointing all the times where you have these social obligations where you would need more flexibility. And you can try to adjust these diet breaks and maintenance phases in order to match with those to make it easier to get through. Um, and when you do that, you, I mean, that really is the application part. Like if we, if we consider, if we round this out and try to consider application, that is it. Um, I mean, there's, there's a couple options, you know, like, and, and I'm just going to give you a list. Like I actually wrote out a list of ways, like kind of step-by-step where I think you could do. Um, the first one is obvious, uh, shameless plug, 
click the link in the show notes and apply for coaching. You know, talk to a tailored coaching nutritionist, go over your goals, go over the calendar year, go over the periodization plan and let us do the work for you. Um, but if you want to tackle this on your own, I get that too. That's why you listen to this podcast. Um, what I would start with is reading some, some good content. Um, you can read my book, The Tailored Nutrition Method, which there is a link for in the show notes, I believe. If not, you can find it on my website. Um, you can check out the Muscle and Strength Pyramids. You can check out Fat Loss Forever. Um, obviously, this is optional. You don't need to read. But I think if you take the time to read these books, you'll understand the metabolism. You'll understand calories. You'll understand macros on a deeper level. And you'll be able to better believe in this process of periodization. Um, step two, you can set your long-term goal. Like I said earlier, what's your ultimate physique look like? Number three, pinpoint all your social obligations over the course of the year. Number four, set up your diet phases where you have complete control and optimal adherence. Number five, do not go over 24 weeks of dieting unless you have 60 plus pounds to lose and are implementing diet breaks. Number six, determine your calorie intake. This is the most important thing when starting any diet, whether you're going um, down in weight, up in weight, or maintaining weight. Uh, number seven, set up a calorie cycling system by implementing refeeds and or diet breaks into the weekly and monthly calendar. Number eight, set dates and durations for maintenance phases so you know if they're just transitional or if they're full blocks of time to, to bring you up before you go back into a diet. Number nine, plan for an aggressive, then gradual, reverse diet to transition from those cuts to maintenance phases once you have those locked in your schedule. Um, and then last but not least, if you are looking to build muscle, follow this exact same list I just spelled out, but place your muscle gaining phase where the fat loss phase is because that's your priority. So instead of jumping right into a cut like a lot of people trying to lose weight would, you're going to jump right into a muscle gaining phase because that's your priority goal. So... That was a lot, guys. That was a lot on periodization. Um, I'm going to link a bunch of stuff in the show notes, um, some links to those books. I'm going to link uh, the the blog version of this podcast. I'm going to link everything so you have the the tools and the, the things needed in order to make the most out of this. But the thing I will leave you with is that periodization doesn't have to be super complex, but it does need to be in your plan. You need to consider tailoring your nutrition to you. It's very, very important to be individualized, and it's very, very important to periodize it. It's not just for elite athletes. It's for everybody, and it should be considered for everybody. It should be implemented to everybody's diet plan. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.